Welcome to another episode of the Sawdust and Fire podcast. We are your hosts. I am Hunter Johnson. And I'm Thomas Baldridge. Boy, Thomas, it, it sure seems like a pretty good day to uh, to talk about turkeys. I'm sitting here in my, my office, got the door open this morning. And uh, you ever seen that show, uh, uh, The Patriot? Where, oh, yeah. Where, where the British are coming and they know they're getting close because in the distance they can hear the gunfire. Boom, 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 boom. You can just hear that constant <laughs> rumble. I can hear the uh, shots going off on the uh, National Wildlife Refuge and WMA up north of us, and it sounds like the British are getting pretty close here this morning. So, <laughs> so uh, uh, I can even hear an occasional boat running down the river. So, you know, what we, we're about halfway through our duck season, but, hey, we're after the first of the year, so it's time to kind of get started talking about some turkeys. Yeah, it's yep. time to burn something. Yep, yeah. yep, yep, light something on fire, but – we have got a couple of guests with us today that are uh, we've always had a lot of respect for. Everything they post has just been phenomenal. They they are great at the research and and the things that they do, and and they're capable of coming on social media and just saying the word turkey and starting a three hundred comment argument. Just just <laughs> just saying the word. So um, seems to be a lot of. Uh, uh, a lot of controversy regarding a couple of subjects and uh uh i'll let these guys introduce herself but i think they uh uh they have some special news coming out that uh might clear a lot of that uh false misconception up that a lot of folks have but uh anyway how you doing today guys oh i'm doing great i really appreciate you having us all right well let's uh let's tell the world uh uh who y'all are yeah, I appreciate it, Hunter. Uh, so I'm Marcus Lashley, and uh, I work at the University of Florida. I run a lab, UF Deer Lab here, uh, focused on game species and habitat management. And uh, I think we've, we've had an episode one time before where we talked a lot about fire on here. Yes, sir. And, uh, one of the best episodes. And, and some harvest management, I think, with deer. But I do a lot of work with turkeys as well. And, and, uh, you know, I grew up uh, as a hunter, I was a hunter first deer and turkey and, and, uh, everything else I could get, a could legally chase. Uh, and that kind of inspired me to get to where I am now, where I'm, you know, a scientist doing research and trying to communicate research about game species management to people. Perfect. Perfect. What about this other guy sitting there? Hey guys, appreciate y'all having us on. I'm Will Goolsby. Um, I'm here at Auburn University. And like Marcus, um, my research focuses around game, you know, centers on game species with uh with heavy emphasis on forest management for deer and turkeys. Um, most of my research background is in deer, um, but the past several years I've been branching out a lot more so into turkeys. And similar to Marcus, um, I got, you know, to where I am today because of my love, my passion for hunting. Uh, grew up, started out squirrel hunting first, then moved on to deer hunting. Um, we didn't have a lot of turkey hunting opportunity where I grew up at. Didn't really have a lot of turkey hunters as a result of that to kind of mentor me. So I didn't really get into turkey hunting until my early 20s, um, but been doing it ever since. And I would say 
because uh, I've done so much work with deer and in particular sat in the stand so much as a part of deer research that now I find myself really enjoying turkey hunting even more than deer hunting. So I've kind of made that transition over time. But um, yeah, like Marcus, um, I enjoy doing the research. That's an important part of what we do. Um, but, you know, one of the things that both he and I have noticed is we didn't feel like that information coming out of that research was getting into the hands of the managers and the hunters that could really use it. And so that's kind of why we're here today and, and talking about this topic. And that's awesome. And that's one of the reasons why Thomas and I wanted to get started doing this podcast is just seems like there there is so much information. And, you know, we knew going in that reaching the public was going to be one of the hardest battles. Um, mm -hmm. you know, fix, fixing your turkey habitat is pretty easy. Uh, increasing turkey and quail on your property and growing big bucks is pretty easy. It's convincing others how to do it because of uh, some of the things that they've heard growing up that doesn't align with that, that seems to be the, the hardest part. Yeah. Yeah. I, I, I mean, definitely I... see plenty, sorry, Will, uh, plenty of people uh, that have misaligned effort. They're, right. they're using, they, they've got all the effort they need. They're going over the top, but they may not be putting it in the best thing. Yeah. I mean, that's kind of one of the same, you set me up perfectly, Marcus, because I was going to say that, um, you know, when I was growing up, there were limited numbers of sources to find out how to properly, you know, hunt and manage a property. You know, you had to subscribe to magazines and things like that. Now there's more information than ever. And the challenge has become not getting the information, but getting the right information and, and trying to filter through a lot of the stuff that's available out there. That's mm -hmm. right. We, we've advanced a little bit from that 1986 Outdoor Life article. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Well, we we understand that y'all have some pretty exciting news. It was pretty exciting when when we heard about it and I think everybody else is going to find it uh exciting as well. So what's uh what's going on with you guys? Yeah, well, I I appreciate you uh bringing that up and giving us the opportunity to talk about it cuz Will and I I don't know. We probably talk near, nearly daily about how excited we are uh, for the launch of a new podcast. And, uh, you know, a lot of people, uh, you know, may know that, that I've been involved in podcasting for a while with my lab. And we have the, you know, the Fire University podcast that I've been hosting. And that was the same kind of idea. And been in, we've uh, been involved with Deer University and, through all of that, we've gotten a ton of feedback, and and I know that Will, being involved in turkey research and and uh, being so active with outreach, he gets a ton of feedback. But uh, we've gotten a lot of feedback that people want something like that for turkeys. So that was that was uh, initially what started this. Is we need a place like kind of like what Will is saying, where we can exercise our role in a format that people can get information in a single place and we're planning to launch a podcast called wild turkey science to be that for the turkey folks so if you're passionate about turkeys if you want to manage for turkeys if you're just concerned about turkeys you want to know the science behind turkeys that is what we're what we're about to launch so so basically i've seen y'all make some facebook posts that end up becoming very controversial and and 
for good reason, y'all y'all answer a few questions starting out, and then it just gets plumb out of control. So mm. you're kind of forced to back out of it. So so with this one here, you're gonna you're gonna address some of that, some of these topics. You're gonna come on and you're going to uh, um, tell everybody the truth, regardless of whether it's what they want to hear or not. Correct. Yeah, I, and and I really think that that's one of the main benefits of the podcast platform is sometimes the conversation is just it's too detailed and too nuanced to to cover in a social media post. I mean, we we were talking about that with you guys right before we started recording that you know, you can throw these little snippets out there to try to get you know, bits and pieces out there to to people that they can pick up on and apply and benefit turkeys, but you know, really the conversation needs to be longer than that. You know, there's some mm-hmm. detail to it that we just don't have the room to share in an Instagram post or a Facebook post or a Twitter, you know, a tweet or anything like that. So um, I think that's kind of the role that this podcast fills in. Um, Marcus and I both, you know, occasionally he would talk about a turkey science topic on one of his other podcasts or, you know, one of us would get invited on another podcast to talk about what we've got going on research-wise but what we saw was a gap out there where, you know, there wasn't a one single cohesive place to go um, to have these really in-depth discussions of not only current turkey research, but past turkey research as well. And so we're kind of trying to pull all that together, talk about what we've learned from the past, what's ongoing, um, and the information gaps that still exist and how we can address those uncertainties uh, to benefit turkey populations. Yeah, and add to that, Will, uh, there there are a bunch of great podcasts that that we're filling different roles, I guess, uh, depending on where they're originating and what their goal is. You know, there you guys have a, a phenomenal habitat, you know, oriented message, and and uh, you know there are similar things from acad you know academics that are filling a, a slightly different role and we're all in this same mission together with turkeys we there's several podcasts that are really good that you know they they go into detail on hunting tactics and and they bring on scientists or or uh you know really knowledgeable people about management or or whatever uh as part of that effort but we really thought you know a role that we can play and i think the role that we should play as scientists is try to give that you know, the other side of that coin where we're going to be really focused on what is, what does the research say about a particular issue that has really big implications for the way people manage the resource? Uh, you know, we wanted to be, give them a source where they could go to, to figure out what does that say? Where are the holes in that? Why is you know, a lot of these issues, the scientists don't agree on it. Mm-hmm. Like Will and I might not agree. We have a different perspective on a particular issue. And sometimes it's because uh, the literature either isn't very well developed on it or we haven't done much science on the topic. Or sometimes it's because there's multiple things operating and what he sees where he's working is different than what I see where I'm working. Or, uh, you know, it, it, it can that that. uh disagreement and uncertainty can stem from different things but that's what we're really trying to to go after in this podcast and you know like you said hunter to to open up we be coming at this being hunters and scientists and we've been involved for a while now 
and social media and, you know, all these efforts and we're getting that feedback positive and negative from people uh, and hearing those arguments, you know, we kind of have a pretty good handle coming out of the gate on what issues are those inflammatory issues where there's a lot of uncertainty and disagreement and we went right after them. We, we came right out of the gate with the, basically the, the few issues that we could think of that are the source of the, the majority of that discussion right now around turkeys and, and turkey declines. And, you know, there's just a lot of uncertainty around that issue. And there are a lot of viewpoints and we tried to come right out of the gate addressing directly those things. What does the literature say about season frameworks, for instance, and hunting pressure? And why is there, you know, how could that affect turkeys? Why is there some disagreement among scientists? Where are the holes in it that we need to fill in to understand the role? Uh, you know, same thing with predation and trapping. What You know, we tried to, we're trying to deliver on those kinds of topics not just what the literature says but what it doesn't say and what we need it you know we need data on to say and then also trying to give a voice to all the scientists involved from these different places where on some of these issues we don't necessarily all agree Mm -hmm. or at least from the public perception we don't agree but what really is happening or, or we're trying to make happen is we have a lot of scientists that that we have a lot of competing hypotheses and we don't have enough data to really isolate the things from one another. Or uh, it may be that there are multiple things going on and all of them are playing a role at the same time, which is more likely the case on most issues. Yeah, and I mean, to, to build off what you said, Marcus, we have these episode series like on season dates and the effect on turkeys and on predation and what we can't, what we know and what we don't, what we can or can't do. And we film these as episodes or record these as episode series. And at the end of it, we keep finding we have to do a recap episode because it feels like they're so up and down. It's, you know, one episode, you know, you'll feel really strongly about, okay, this is the correct answer. And then the next one casts some doubt on that. So we have to circle back and say, okay, given everything that we've looked at, what do we think? What do we not really know? Yeah. What? Okay. Yeah, and, and on top of that, and sometimes we we invite other experts in, and then they change our perception on it, and then we go to the recap episode, and we realize, okay, now we need to get these other guys yeah. on here, or we need to go back to that and uh, unpack it some more, or I had, you know, I've had time to digest it, and now I realize that we really need to go to this other issue and talk about it, and it, it's been really fun doing that, and, and I'll say, uh, I don't want to speak for Will, but I'll say... I, I have already become so much more knowledgeable myself about turkeys and turkey management and under, especially understanding what science we have on turkeys and where we need to focus and that kind of thing. I, I, I have developed so much already from it and we haven't even launched yet. You know, we've, uh, we haven't launched it. We've already pre-recorded where I think we're at about 12 episodes, uh, but, you know, getting prepared for this wave where we're going to have continuous content weekly for everybody. And, and I've already just grown so much as a scientist and hunter and manager. And, uh, you know, that's gotten me really excited because I think it can provide a valuable piece to the puzzle, 
you know, that, that, uh, is, is complementary to what you you guys are doing and what, uh, you know, these other folks are doing through these different forums. So what you don't, what y'all don't realize yet is that y'all are going to end up doing two podcasts a week. So y'all <laughs> and then, and then we're going to call you up and say, Hey, we need y'all to come on sawdust and fire and elementary this up for us. We understand yeah. it a little bit better. Well, I, I, that's a good point, Hunter. And I think that, um, Marcus and I were just having this conversation yesterday as both of us were commuting home from work, um, that I, I do feel what when, one thing that's worth mentioning is this podcast has been made possible by this new group, Turkeys for Tomorrow. It's a nonprofit conservation mm. group that's focused on on turkeys. And um, when their founder, Ron Jolly, you know, first started talking to us about what he wanted this this podcast to be because of their role in it, he said, I want you to put the information down here where the goats can feed on it. And um and I, Marcus and I have joked several times, we're not sure if we can do anything else but that because we're right there amongst the goats. But, um, but no, I, in serious, seriousness, I do think that it does a good job of, um, of go, we go into a pretty good bit of depth. So there's people out there that will probably be interested in hearing about some of the types of analyses that we do and getting into, down into the weeds, so to speak, on some of that stuff. But then we come right back out of it yeah. um, and get more topical again. So um, I think it'll be a good balance in that regard. Yeah, I, I, I definitely, you know, listen, it, we listen back to all the episodes before we do a recap too and take notes. And, and uh, in, the, in some cases we go into more literature review. Uh, but, you know, some of those things get pretty dense, but that's missing. Like, it, you know, the scientists get that aspect of it and then it doesn't get out. And, you, you know, sometimes it adds a lot of clarity and context to why, you know, scientists are saying something or why we're disagreeing on things. Like, for instance, why one says, you know, the turkey decline is this factor and the other one says this. And it's actually uh, because we're missing a key aspect of the data. Right. Yeah. So that doesn't necessarily get out past the scientific community. And I think we do a really good job of getting really dense in conversation about that, you know, and it resonates with us and probably, you know, with some people, uh, it will, and it may turn off others, but we also then try to take that and say, okay, what does that mean to the average person that just wants more turkeys got one on their place? Right, you know, we, right. we, we try really hard. And I think, you know, I grew up in backcountry Alabama. That's the way I think. <laughs> you That's know, right. and I, I've gotten educated to be a scientist, but, you know, when I go home, I'm talking to a bunch of folks that, that are not scientists, you know, they just want to go out and hear a turkey gobble. That's right. And, and, uh, you know, I think that Will and I both, we've, we've tried really hard to make that, you know, make that bridge, that gap here mm -hmm. where we're getting into the, some of those details that you need. Some people it'll be a little too dense for, but we're also trying to then bring that back to say, okay, here's what it means for you if you're trying to make some more turkeys. That's right. That's right. And and this is really, I'm really excited about y'all doing this. This is this is really a breath of fresh air. And and I've got to be honest, uh, 100% transparent, honest here. Um, 
I had uh, um, really, I, I guess here recently, I've been a little bit turned off by turkeys for tomorrow. And, and I know y'all mentioned them a while ago. And talking before the show, uh, <clears throat> I realized that um, uh, maybe I jumped to conclusions too quick um, on, on that. You know, I knew some of the guys that were involved in helping launch TFT and getting it going. Mm-hmm. And then I've kind of seen the direction that some of it's went lately, and it really hasn't been 100% research science-based. Um, and that has kind of shut me off personally a little bit, but it's refreshing to hear that they are helping y'all be transparent with the research, regardless of what that research may be. Mm-hmm. Y'all are presenting it. They are presenting it. Uh, out here for the public to see because we're all in the same boat together we it's we're all passionate about creating more turkeys on the on the landscape across the u.s and um you know we we just need that that direction so that we all know what to go do Mm -hmm. and quit arguing about it on social media and yeah i think it's a great thing and it's really opened my eyes uh our talk before the show here um you know, I'm probably going to join TFT this afternoon. Uh, well, so, well, that's so good news. We're pretty excited about it. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, well, I mean, one one thing that we told to the TFT guys directly out the out, directly at the outset when we were discussing this podcast is we want, we're going to go after the controversial topics, but we're going to keep that conversation centered around what the science says or what the science does not say. And that's what's, that's, I think what we want about this podcast to, you know, differentiate it from other podcasts. Um, We just want to be completely honest and transparent about the facts that we have available to us. Um, And that's going to step on one group's toes in one episode and then another group's toes in another episode. But we're, we're just covering the facts. And they said, by all means, that's what we want y'all to do. We don't want to interfere in any way. Well, they, you know, and they've said directly, like what the what I think makes this so valuable, especially coming at it from as scientists and, and academics, is you know we can we are not obligated to say something. We're saying what science says we should say. Yeah, and and right. uh, sometimes you know folks at TFT might not like that, but they have they realized the importance from the outset and have said it directly multiple times that you guys need to, you guys need to say what needs to be said. Yeah. And, and Marcus if, and, and I, if we need to learn from that. Then we will, you know, so yeah. Uh, yeah. They, they really wanted to set it up like that. And we were adamant, you know, that that's our role is to set up this so that we can read the science, t- contact the scientists and we can all have the discussion we need to have and we're not uh, going to be influenced by anybody. We're going to be influenced by science. Yeah. Well, let's, let's address that for just a second. So a lot of people, when they hear, well, the research says this, or the science says this, they're automatically turned off um, mm-hmm. for, for whatever reason. And it's usually some, some mental vision that they've got in their head. So let's talk about what, what is science and what is research when it pertains to Turkey? Is that, is that a professor's opinion that's sitting in an office somewhere and never has been out in the woods? Or is there a little more to that, guys? Oh, there's definitely more to it. 
Okay. And that, 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 you know, honestly, that's one of the reasons that I try to lay out there immediately. I, I'm just a hunter that happened to get some more education. Right. I'm right. in this because I'm a hunter. I was that first. I'm going to be that after. But, and and I, I think that's one of the problems with with uh, the perception with a lot of scientists is exactly what you you said. Uh, one one problems we're not as a group. I'm gonna put us all in a box. We're not very good communicators often. Uh, and and the other thing is they seem removed often from the resource and the use of the resource. And that's frankly true. Uh, in a lot of contexts, we've already, I, don't, I forgot how many will that out of uh, the episodes we've already recorded, but we've had seven or eight other scientists mm-hmm. on the show with us already. And all of them are adamant hunters. And I have sat on a tree with a couple of them, you know, oh. hunting turkeys. So, you know, we, we are, uh, a lot of the people that are really invested in this interest as a scientist are engaging with the resource, first of all. But second of all, and I'll let Will jump in at, at uh, his perception on this, but, you know, the the science, what that the other part of that that's really important is we're not just, uh, you know, telling you what we think we saw on the, when we were sitting on the tree. A lot of this, we're, we're tagging, you know, sometimes hundreds or, or more animals and, and tracking their every movement. You know, we've got experimental designs that allow us to isolate things. Uh, you know, there are a lot of different ways that that science is being more robust than just what my opinion is or what yours is. So, but there is also some opinion part of it where, Will and I might see the same data and we might interpret it differently. And then that's one thing I think is a key aspect is we can explain ourselves. Mm-hmm. Right. It, yeah. You know, we, we have enough time to, okay, well, we've got the, this data here and it, this, we all agree that it's indicating there, there's a Turkey decline, for instance, but interpreting why it's declining, you know, we, we might all have different, hypotheses on why that is occurring and that's where we're having this you know this round and round trying to explain our point of view and really at the end of the day what it is is that we have competing hypotheses which is very good and and for scientists it's so good for us to have a whole bunch of scientists that have a different perspective all of us are really connected to the resource in this particular case and we're all doing a lot of research on it and and we have different perspectives because of our experiences and what our data show and, and uh, our perception of, of causes in that data. And then we end up with a lot of competing hypotheses and we start challenging each other. And then what happens in that process is that the, you know, we get to the end of it and, and a cause, you know, that something starts to get supported, right? You have one that's standing out after we've tried to shoot holes and everything and then you start ending up with some that have withstood that scrutiny. And that's really what science is and, and what we're trying to bring here is, you know, the, the scientists aren't necessarily disagreeing. We just have competing hypotheses and we're challenging each other, trying to get at the answer because we all care about the resource and we're all connected to it. 
and we're all passionate about it. And the science is the way that we can get to answers, even though there's disagreement sometimes. Well, one of the number one things that, that we hear is uh, these guys that say, well, I'm in the woods every day. I know <laughs> what, what's going on. I know what I'm seeing. And I think often you are in the woods a lot and, and you are seeing things, but sometimes I don't think you know exactly what you're seeing. You don't know how mm -hmm. to interpret what you're seeing. Yeah, that, that's that's a great point, Hunter. And I, and I think that that's one of the key reasons that a lot of hunters oftentimes have distrust for wildlife science because it doesn't align with what they've personally seen and witnessed in the woods. There's a lot of value to what they've seen and witnessed in the woods. And sometimes I think that they see things um, and they have explanations for them that are true. Um, but it would be so hard for us to prove that with the scientific process, right? Um, we actually had this exact conversation with Dr. Craig Harper from the University of Tennessee, who I'm sure you guys are, are well aware of his work. Um, but we, when we were recording the, the uh, predation episode series, he said, you know, how difficult would it be to go out across all these properties? And we talk about, Marcus and I talked about this before Craig was on, um, and, you know, do predator control the same way, have everything else be constant, and then prove a cause and effect relationship between trapping and something like nest success or poult survival. There's just some of these experiments that, that are impossible either because of their cost or because of the difficulty of controlling all these factors. Um, so, you know, kind of circling back, yeah, I, th I think that there's a lot of value in what they, say out, they see out there on the landscape. Um, and we may not always be able to prove it with science, but then on the other side of the equation, like you mentioned, Hunter, um, let's say that a land manager or a landowner goes out and starts really intensively trapping uh, this winter. And then, you know, during summertime, it looks like he has the best poult hatch ever. Well, he's got a lot of sweat equity and probably money tied up in that trapping effort. And so he wants to see the fruits of that labor. And so every time he sees a poult on the ground or a group of poults with a hen, he's, he's going to tie that right back to that sweat equity and that money that he spent. He's going to, it's a self-fulfilling prophecy, you know? Yeah. Um, and Confirmation maybe, bias. Exactly. And maybe, and maybe he did um, have a better hatch on that property that year, but trapping or the lack thereof is not the only thing that changed from this year to last year. There's yeah, all yeah. these other variables yeah. that weren't controlled um, and it could have just been weather related. It could have been something to do with what a neighbor did on their property or didn't do on their property that year that benefited it. There's all sorts of things. And that's what we, the burden of proof lies on us as scientists to try to go out and control all those factors and do this research with enough animals across enough acreage to get a definitive answer as to whether or not, you know, it, it, X affects Y, right? Whatever we're mm -hmm. talking about. Um, and so the, it's just the more formalized process of what they're trying to do, really. Well, right. and, and that's another but, issue that we jump into, you know, in the society that we live in today, it seems like we're divided politically uh, on our beliefs. And, you know, so when a scientist comes out and, you know, you mentioned trapping a while ago, when a scientist comes out and says, you know, trapping is not how we decrease predation there's other ways to to manage against predation and increase the turkey population other than trapping 
Well, people automatically assume that you're anti-trapping, that you're against trapping. But yeah. we'll clear that up right here, right off the bat. I don't think anybody, uh, any of us sitting here are against trapping, and, and we probably have all done it in some shape mm -hmm. or fashion. I know I've supplemented my income most of my life trapping. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Yeah, I've got a bunch of steel sitting underneath my house right now, and I usually get it out every year. Um, and I, but I think that that circles back to why it's so important to have these conversations in the podcast format, because it allows us to explain our reasons for why, you know, on a property that's experiencing a turkey reproduction problem, the first recommendation that we might make is probably not predator control, you know, right. but 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 having that long discussion allows us to circle back and say, okay, well, later on, once pieces A, B, and C are in place, that's when we start to try to, uh, you know, bring in the addition of trapping or planting food plots or things like that that are mm -hmm. icing on the cake that give you that extra 10 to 20% increase in abundance What's, once everything else, primarily habitat, because it's the foundation and the, the basis upon which all other, you know, every other thing in wildlife uh, population dynamics you know rest on um and so i think it's important for us to be able to to have time to get all that information out and to have the entire conversation mm -hmm. instead of just a snippet of it absolutely yeah i i think you're spot on will and and uh you know with, with the something like predation since we've kind of been on that you know using that example that's a perfect example because it just seems intuitive Okay, you get a you catch a raccoon, you save a turkey, and that you know that is not necessarily true, and there are a lot of reasons why, and that's not as intuitive, and that's mm -hmm. the kind of stuff like we had an episode where we just went through all of the ways that that relationship isn't necessarily one to one. We're not anti-trapping. I'm just trying to give you the tools to think through why that might be right. And, and, uh, there is some evidence in some cases that maybe you could have an effect. And then there are other places where there's evidence that you could have literally the opposite effect that's desired, where you could actually increase predation by trapping. And then there's a lot of stuff in the middle and almost none of that, all of those, that literature that I've just talked about, almost none of it is on turkeys. Right. Right. So, you know, that, that's another part. That's a big hole. Yeah. So we're having to borrow a bunch of information from other species to even walk you through all of the ways that it could go one way or another or, or neither. And then, uh, you know, we also put context on it. You could have a turkey population that is doing amazing and it still might vary from year to year. But what did uh, I think it was Adam Butler was talking about this. He said it, you know, it might vary by like 50% mm -hmm. your population level in a population that's doing great. Due to factors that you have zero control over. Yeah. Just because this year it rained when, when they were nesting or, or, uh, you know, there, there's all kinds of stuff going on that aren't in your control and turkey populations and other game birds, they just fluctuate a lot. So you know, if we go back to the example that Will had, if you happen to trap the the year that, that, you know, Mother Nature decided it was going to be a good turkey year, then there's a, you know, you're going to attribute that to trapping and it may have had nothing to do with it. 
And a perfect example of that right now, sorry to interrupt you, Marcus, but no, go ahead. I, I thought this was just too good of an example to pass up. Um, you know, the state of Mississippi just saw one of their best turkey hatches. I think that, um, I think he said, I think Mark said it was and Adam Butler as well that we interviewed on the podcast that it was in the top five ever recorded, maybe top three ever recorded. And it, so if you're a landowner in Mississippi and last year was the first time that you decided to trap intensively on your property, you're going to think that, you know, you got a two, threefold increase yeah. in pulp production because of that. Well, you know, that well, didn't happen. In fact, look at what I did. I've got 50 acres that I trapped and I made the whole population in Mississippi. <laughs> <laughs> you know, I'm, I'm just saying it seems kind of yeah. facetious when you say it that way. But uh, then you start to realize, OK, if you didn't do it for 20 years, even on your one property, it, it'd be really hard to detangle those two, especially if you're not looking for it. But we know that you're going to have this huge fluctuation in the population. And it says, yeah, you probably need to do it long term. The other problem is you need replication. You might need to do that on 10 properties and then have 10 paired properties before you can even really isolate the predator trapping bit from that, uh, you know, whatever that other effect is. Yeah. And, and that's where the science comes in, where we're truly trying to unpack stuff for you. Right. For people to realize why, you know, uh, why there may be so much uncertainty and so much uh, controversy over stuff like that. Yeah. And I mean, like zooming out bigger picture with any of this predation or otherwise, we're not really trying to tell people what to do or not to do. We're trying to give them all the information possible on all of these topics so that they can have that deeper level of understanding that's necessary to understand when something is likely to work and when it is not in a scenario specific context. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Equip them to make decisions, inform decisions. You know, one, one thing guys, I think, um, you know, has, has hurt the scientific community um, has been COVID. Mm -hmm. uh, you know, because there was so much stuff that was varying and evolved. And, mm -hmm. and the last time probably your average American thought about anything science related, you know, was seventh grade. <laughs> you know, I mean, it's been a whatever, eighth grade science class or biology or whatever. And the thing that we forgot, I don't I don't think you're your average American could tell you what the steps in the scientific method are. Mm -hmm. I don't think they can tell you, you know, about developing a hypothesis about testing that hypothesis. And, 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 you know, they may experience that on some level, even when they go to the doctor and the doctor mm -hmm. says, well, it could be these five things. Yeah. I need to run some tests. Yeah. And, yeah. Oh, oh, it's not that one. I can prove it's not that I can prove it's not this. Well, it's one of these two things, um, you know, but through through COVID, we we lost um, the fact that science can change as mm -hmm. we do more of this and we understand more, which is what you know y'all are actually saying. I mean, at one point in time, technically, I guess science may have said the Earth was flat. Now we know it, it it's not. Um, but that's because somebody had to test that hypothesis. Mm -hmm. Yeah, yeah. I think there's. And I, I, that, that's a good relevant point, Thomas. And I, I think there's two main reasons um, that that the whole COVID situation 
resulted in a lot of people losing their trust for science. And one is um, they were privy, like you just said, they were privy to the scientific process almost in real time. Mm-hmm. And so they were seeing these in, in publishers, publishers were publishing data on COVID in nearly real time. Yes, I mean, yeah. to, to give you perspective, like I might publish a turkey paper and from the day that I send that into a journal to the day that it's actually out there online or printed in a journal is, is not unusual for it to be a whole year. Okay. It's a peer review is a long process, but they were fast tracking mm-hmm. a lot of these data submissions because people were trying to work together to figure this thing out as quickly yeah, as we could. Right. Lives were on the line. We're, we're, yeah. We're concerned and, about human health. Like it. Right. And so part of that was that they saw that process real time and how, you know, hypotheses changed when when confronted with new data. But of course, then the other side of it was that it got so highly politicized that people were bending the science to, Mm -hmm. you know, whatever political perspective that they had on the issue. Well, and another thing to add to that, like we were discussing earlier, what they were seeing in real time is a bunch of scientists with competing hypotheses and they're arguing. And everyone in the public is getting to see that argument now yeah, in real time. And, you know, there, there was so much uncertainty and it was happened so fast. I mean, I don't know what the number is now, guys, but I, I was uh, doing some, some literature review and, and stumbled across some, some data on how many publications on COVID there had been. It was only like a year in and it was like 50,000. Mm. Yes. It, it was un believable it was like half of the literature that we've ever published was on one topic and it had all occurred in that short time frame because it was such a you know it was a globally aligned topic that what was of concern and and uh you know it was moving so fast and there was so much argument so much disagreement still is on a lot of it uh and then you were seeing policies change and and not you know there were just there's just so much Right. So much going on. And, you know, there's a lot of value in that process, but usually it's not uh, as important and personal to everybody, but also as visible and so fast moving uh, as that issue was. Yes. You know, my my wife is a a pediatric nurse practitioner. She works at Arkansas Children's and Mm. um, technically is a University of Arkansas Medical Sciences employee. And so she has databases access to databases at, at University of Arkansas Medical Sciences that other people don't have. It's not mm. a Facebook post. You yeah, know? yeah, exactly. And, and so when she would come home, I would tell her, you know, what my redneck buddy on Facebook said or uh, <laughs> what what the news media said as they're trying to push their agenda, uh, whatever that may be, good or bad. And um, she would just look at me like I had three heads. And she was like, no, that's, you know, that's not right. That's not what we're seeing. That's not what we can prove. We know this is what we do know. This is what we don't know. Mm -hmm. And I think when you make that transition, again, you know, Marcus made a good point about lives were on the line. And we were able to see that in this age of technology in real time, like never before. Mm -hmm. And, but conversely, now we see that similarity in, turkey research like so is this nonprofit pushing a certain agenda do they have confirmation Mm -hmm. bias in their research Mm -hmm. are they trying to just get money for whatever reason and and look we need money okay Mm -hmm. the other thing i i see you know because of my background too with with church uh, work i relate a lot of this to church 
I mean, we got all these different denominations in Christianity and one Bible, but yet like everybody's baptizing folks a little bit differently. And they're all saying you're wrong if you didn't do it this way, mm-hmm. you know, which I know again, politics, COVID and church, you don't talk about now I've added Turkey. <laughs> Unless you want to get in a fist fight yeah, with your you, buddies, you don't talk well, about you, politics, yeah. church, religion, or, or turkeys, you know, yeah, you don't talk about any of those in particular. My house turkeys over dinner. You don't That's talk right. about it. That's right. I mean, my buddies, you know, they'll let you talk about politics and, and, and religion, but talk about turkeys and you love being a fist fight. Yeah. <laughs> but, but, you know, I see some similarities in, in all of this, you know, yeah. where, where, you know, and interpreting sometimes, you know, what is, And, and you know, the other thing that's frustrating to me, um, because what I've seen my wife do educationally, maybe what I've done educationally, and look, I know a lot of educated idiots, so I I do understand what people are saying, but it's such, people, people think because they spend time in the woods that what they saw on their 80 acres or what they saw you know, in a couple sections on national forest applies everywhere. And they want to discount the labor and the process of academics. And they don't even understand what that process is. They don't even understand Mm -hmm. what it takes to produce a paper Mm -hmm. or produce that research or how many grad students you have out there pulling this research. And like you said, you know, Dr. Lashley, how you can separate all these different things and Mm -hmm. isolate certain data and extrapolate information from that and then test that and run those hypotheses Mm -hmm. out see if you got a good theory or not. Mm -hmm. And and all of what they're seeing when they're out there is missing the control group. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Well, I think that's, it's missing a a true control and it's also missing replication. Right. And it's an imperfect uh, measurement. And yeah, so and is then, and and so is tagging a bunch of turkeys. And, it's and not a perfect measurement either, but it's better than what I see when I'm out chasing a gobbler. Yeah, and I think that's a key point is is that you know consumers. I guess you could lump everybody together. Consumers of science, like whether they be hunters, landowners, managers, whatever, that are reading stuff related that's coming out related to turkeys right now. Um, you know they they have to understand that the the results of a given project are specific to the the area that that project was carried out on and the circumstances it was carried out on. And sometimes scientists do a good job of putting that study into the right context. Sometimes I think they apply it too broadly. And so what I would say is, you know, as, as far as you're not going to ever win any, everybody over to trust you as a scientist But I think if a scientist puts themselves out there enough and you hear enough about what they say and they have these types of conversations that Marcus and I are having on this podcast um, and you listen to them long enough and you hear things like, well, I don't know, or I changed my mind on this, or I'm not sure what to think, or or, I kind of believe this and I also believe that. Like, If you hear that uncertainty coming out of a scientist, I think that that's probably someone that's fairly trustworthy, whereas the ones that you should be cautious of are the ones that have very high degree of certainty in everything that they're saying. Um, Because oftentimes, you know, in science, you know, 
all data, all data or model results suck, but some of them are closer to the truth than others. Yeah. You know, right. Right. They're, all, they're all wrong, but some are useful. It's another yeah. Way <laughs> yeah, that's right. Well, and I, I think that's a good point. Will and you know, a couple of, couple of things I wanted to bring up one, the reason that we all fight over it, I think we should stay, take a step back and realize that's because we're passionate about it. We mm-hmm. all care about turkeys, right? So that that's important to realize that, you know, and I think that's one thing we're trying to do with the podcast is we're all on the same team. I want there to be more turkeys gobbling, and I think everybody out there is with us. Right. So, uh, you know, that's, that's one way to look at it. But uh, the other thing uh, surrounding the, the certainty aspect is, you know, that – we we don't have a perfect measurement. If we were tracking every turkey and knew everything that ever happened with every one, then we'd have a, you know, a closer to perfect perception of what's going on. But we don't. And, uh, you know, that's why it's important to replicate studies in different places under different circumstances, but also replicate within the study to be more robust, to get an idea of what's going on in that particular place. Uh, but there's also uh, what going back to what Will was saying. That it's pretty common that I, I'm consistently ch- challenging myself and what I thought was the way that things worked. And I move on topics all the time because I get new data or I see a different perspective from someone else's study and data, and maybe they had a clever way of getting at something that I didn't think of, or you know, there are all kinds of ways that that works. Uh, Sometimes I see studies on species that I've never even heard of, and it gives me a completely different perception about the stuff that I work on. You know, all of those, that that's the scientific process playing out and, and me just that. ascribing to it and trying to, I'm trying to update what my viewpoint is based on the, the science. And, and uh, I think sometimes that's viewed as a weakness uh, from non-scientists that we want, like we're trying to, to skirt an issue and not tell you the truth as opposed to us just trying to communicate that there's uncertainty around what the correct answer is, or that there's caveats or context that's necessary to have an answer. And, and, uh, that's a really hard thing for me that I constantly run into is how much certainty should you give someone uh, given that there's inherently uncertainty because we don't have perfect data. Yeah. Just think about the advancements alone in technology over the past 20 years and how you're able to do and test a certain hypothesis that you weren't able to do Mm -hmm. 10, 5, 10, 15, 20 years ago. Yeah. Well, we, we've talked about that a lot. And, uh, just to give you an example, we don't have that much data on pulse. And people are like, well, how is that even a thing? It's like, well, we haven't, it's only been recently that we've had a way to tag one that didn't compromise the, the yep. success of that individual. Right. You know, and people 20 years ago would have thought that was impossible. Right. Like we don't have the technology and now we do, you know, we're right on the cusp. We we can put a transmitter. What did Coulter Chipwood say on, on hummingbirds? Yeah. And then we figured out all of a sudden that, you know, they're, uh, 
you know, what we thought they were doing was completely off yeah. from what they actually do. They fly because, over the Gulf of Mexico. We didn't even know that. Yeah, we didn't know they were doing it. And then all of a sudden, we figured out a technology that advancement allowed us to get more insight. And then people changed, you know, scientists changed what they were telling people. And then people get mad because they feel like they've been misled. And it's really that we are updating, we're, we're giving you, presenting you the best available information. And sometimes the best available information changes what we've been telling you. Yeah. Yeah. Another perfect turkey relevant example of that is with the, the timing of gobbling. You know, there's been some studies and we've believed for many years that, you know, over the the spatial scale of, of say, a state like Alabama from north to south, that birds started gobbling in the deep south portion of the state first. And then, you know, th- as you move further north, they started gobbling later and later. Um, but a lot of that information is based off of earlier research projects where you had, you know, at best, maybe four or five researchers in the field at w- any given time. And so they can only be listening at four or five spots on any given morning. Whereas now we can saturate, you know, an entire state with these, with these autonomous recording units that are out there recording every single day throughout the entire spring and early summer. And when you get those data back in and you look at it, there's not as much difference as we might've thought from North to South Alabama, you know, and so that's a data resolution thing as well. Mm -hmm. Yeah where where do we stand i know you guys have hit this and you may hit it uh, just a couple questions as far as research goes like you said where are we right now what where are we headed what what's coming what do you guys what what's in the works can you can you share any of that with us yeah uh sure so you want us to like where are we going with the podcast no, no, no. We, with with current with research, with current okay. research that we have going, you know, we know yeah. there's a lot we don't know. Yeah. So well, one one thing that, that has become evident to us when we've been doing all the homework, and we're trying to provide every scientist that's leading turkey work a voice, you know, and, and uh, we've already gotten a lot of people on there. And one thing that I didn't realize that became evident is right now we're in a really, really awesome time for turkeys. And we have research in so many states led by so many different people. And we've never had that. But to my knowledge, we've never had that much work going on on, on this species with it, this many people. Uh, the funding is coming around. We've gone to some uh, less conventional models of funding in, in some ways. And, and uh, you know, the, the perceived turkey decline across it has concerned a lot of people. And we've got a lot of opportunity and a lot of work going on. That's really awesome. You uh, touched on something there that I want you, because we, we are at least maybe not time limited, uh, limited, but at least regulated a little bit. But mm-hmm. so you, you said something about funding. Mm-hmm. So explain to listeners, we've talked about this briefly before how, how research was previously funded and, and yep. now how some of this is getting funded what where your hands are tied and then how how can i help funding yeah well that well i can give my perspective will and i think it'd be good for you to jump in with yours as well because we're will and i are also doing it a little bit differently from each other uh and and correct me where you disagree will uh it formerly you know for a long time 
we, we went through the re- the restoration effort with turkeys, and turkeys have been on the incline for a long time, and nobody was worried about them. And the conventional model for a lot of this kind of work would have been through your state agency. Uh, you know, some of them have their own research arm. More commonly, they use the university as their research arm, and they fund work. Uh, some of that funding comes from Pittman-Robertson Act funds through hunting license sales or whatever, uh, or tags for particular species, and some of it comes from other places. But uh, that kind of work, that that kind of funding model has been traditionally driving the research that you see on species. And, you know, for a lot of places, we weren't worried about turkeys, and a lot of it wasn't really focused on turkeys. Uh, I think that's changing some now. Uh, but there's also some other things, and I think we'll be more appropriate to talk about uh, some of the nonprofit funding uh, from folks like Turkeys for Tomorrow, because he's got more experience than I do with that. But, uh, you know, the other thing that I have a lot of experience with is, uh, you know, a lot of my funding comes from donations. People, I have accounts set up where people, if they want to support some turkey research, they I have an account that they can go and, you know, donate 10 bucks to or whatever they want to do. And that account is set up such that I, I must, but I'm also going to use that to uh, research turkeys or, or like, you buy know, a new shotgun for turkey season or no, no, okay. like buy, yeah. buy a transmitter to put on a hen. That's right. Or, or That's right. pay a, pay a technician to go through, you know, uh, 7 million images that we've collected in a study, you know, right. that kind of stuff. So supporting the resource or, uh, to pay my, my Libsyn bill so that I can put the next episode of the podcast on it. You know, right. that that's what that effort is supporting and the beauty of that model. And that one's the one that's really the most new from my perspective is when people do that route, then, I have the maximum flexibility to target the issues that I think are the most important. And, right. Because you know, if, like, yeah, if go my ahead. family, let's say, which they don't, by the way, but if my family was a donor, we all went to University of Florida, which I didn't. I'm not going to mm. say go Gators or nothing like that, but, <laughs> it, you know, good SEC school. But um, if we did and, and, you know, we'd made some donations and they'd named a building after us or whatever, and, and we sent some money in and we said, okay, this is for deer research or this is for mm-hmm. habitat research. Maybe the turkeys have been overlooked is, is, you know, as far as money and research goes. But now, instead of relying on, you know, the good graces uh, of those type philanthropy basically now you're telling me that your average guy like me can send 50 bucks and put it towards deer habitat or turkey research at university yeah. of florida through your stuff yeah so i that's the what i have tried to set up and and one i've, I've been really trying to move toward that because that comes in i have an account set up it must be used for you know, the turkey one has to be for turkey research or turkey outreach or whatever. And then I get to decide what is needed. And that's a, a key thing there, because when you have to go through a grant process, you're you're having to meet deliverables on 
something that is perce- a perceived need elsewhere. And what I think is needed may not necessarily align with what some other organization thinks is needed. And, uh, you know, there's value in that, but there's also some limitation in that. And then you kind of have this this other thing, and and I think Turkeys for Tomorrow is a good example of it. And and uh, we'll maybe you can jump in here and talk about that. But they're also involved in in funding not just the podcast that we're doing and that outreach for, of the science, but also funding hard science as well. So we'll yeah, um, those are those are all good points. And and if I may, I'd like to back up a little bit and just at the outset, you know, just establish that this research that we do is expensive and you know when the general public the hunting public sees um every now and then in a press release what a research project costs i think they get a lot of sticker shock um and i mean but if you break it down i mean we're having to pay you know if you think about everything that goes into collecting these data that we do i mean we can easily spend um a hundred thousand dollars on gps tags that we'll use in one year I mean, if it's a, it's a fairly big study, I mean, it's, it's real easy. Those things, you know, going for $1,500, $2,000 a pop sometimes, you can get into the six figures really quickly just by buying that up front. And then other than that, you know, our biggest cost oftentimes are, you know, just driving vehicles around and the mileage that comes along with that, buying equipment like the capture stuff that we use, the rocket nets, the nets themselves, um, the receivers for the transmitters. And then of course you've got to pay research technicians to help out the graduate students, the graduate students themselves for their time. Um, and those guys, we're not paying them a lot. I mean, they're barely <laughs> getting by on what we're paying them. I mean, um, and, I used to and, eat deer meat for literally like every meal. Yeah. Trying to get the grad school. I mean, they're doing this not for the money. They're doing this because they're passionate about the resource and they, you know, they want to get that, that degree and move on and, and help it out in other ways. Um, so it's very easy for these projects, the bill for these projects to run up quickly. Um, and so as a result of that, the primary funding source, as Marcus mentioned over, you know, the last, you know, several decades since the early you know 1900s when wild, wildlife science really started has been government agencies because they're the ones that can afford to foot the bill for stuff like that. And particularly state wildlife agencies have been able to um, basically, you know, pay for only 25% of a research project because of the matching funds that they can capture from the federal government Mm -hmm. through the Pittman Robertson act to supplement that. And so that's why so much of it has been uh, state sponsored. And really we have state wildlife agencies to thank for the current state of, of knowledge and science on managing turkeys and and a whole host of other wildlife species. But as Marcus also mentioned, there's some limitations that come along with that. And when that's your only funding source, of course, that's the only source that you're getting object research objectives from. And what their research objectives are, aren't always necessarily aligned with everyone else's, like maybe not the private landowners, for instance, Um, So having these new and more diverse funding streams for for turkey research in particular allows us to expand out into some other areas of research that we wouldn't have been able to previously. And an example of that is um, a portion of the work that Turkeys for Tomorrow is currently funding with me is is heavily focused on researching turkeys on private lands, which we have a surprisingly limited amount of data on how turkey populations are performing on, on private lands because 
these government agencies really want the research to take place on their property because they have control over it and mm-hmm. they can help guarantee the success of that project. It makes sense for them to put those parameters on it. Um, but having a diversity of those sources allows us to expand out and collect very importantly, a diversity of data. Um, and so I don't know that my, my, my research program is that different than Marcus's. I, I would guess uh, you could say that there's uh, one more step in how I get my funding. And that's that, you know, like with that particular research project I just mentioned is you have grassroots people um, giving money to turkeys for tomorrow. And then turkeys for tomorrow is in turn passing that along to me and allowing me to do mm-hmm. that research. So it, it's similarly uh, grassroots funded. It's just not quite as direct. Does that make sense? Yeah. So yeah. with Dr. Lashley, you can, you can give direct to his program basically through the university mm-hmm. and with you we don't have that access we have to send it through turkish for tomorrow who then sends it to you no i have the same you know i have the same setup it's just not i haven't used that model as frequently yeah. as marcus has okay yeah, so, we, so someone he, someone he, could contribute directly to my turkey research as well it's okay. just not the the model that i've used the most frequently okay we just need to get you more money <laughs> well i mean you 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 uh say that and everybody's like oh yeah they're just yeah. trying to get more money and i i'm not gonna get to put that in my pocket no right what right. The, what more money means for me is more work right. yeah like right. i have to work more <laughs> and right. you know that i i certainly uh work my fair share and i don't know that i want more work but i care about this resource and something like trying to figure out this trapping problem or, uh, you know, the season framework. I see an aspect that we really need where we need to be doing a lot of work on land that's not hunted at all. And then comparing that to hunted to try to understand some things and fill in some of these gaps. And, you know, I'm, I'm essentially limited by funds for that, but Mm -hmm. you know, the same thing with Will, I I have benefited and, and you know, from the nonprofit like like turkeys for tomorrow fun in that podcast you know one th- one advantage that they have is their their reach and they can not only fundraise from a more diverse set of sources but they're also supporting work in a bunch of states mm-hmm. right so that that's one advantage is you know uh what th- they're able to fund part of will's work and they're funding the podcast which is going to be science focused and then they're also helping on projects in Mississippi and Tennessee and, and uh, other places. Kentucky, Nebraska. Yeah. Kentucky. yeah. So, you know, they, they're sending a lot of funding to research in a lot of places to scientists to try to figure out issues in those places. So, you know, there's a lot of advantage to having a diverse portfolio, so to speak. You know, we, the state agency is still absolutely critical in this and they have been all along Mm -hmm. and now we are diversifying that i'm seeing it happen more and more to where we can you know uh start to really fill in gaps and and do things like that podcast like i I would have never been able to get that funded through a state agency i don't think will would have either uh you know like that that that's a unique way for us to make the science more accessible to people and it's really hard to get uh, funded in a grant. Right. 
And then the other thing, you know, that you told me uh, positive, I think, about turkeys for tomorrow is unlike some other nonprofits, you know, they don't have 30, 40 employees that they're trying to mm -hmm. pay salaries and insurance and whatever else for. So how many full-time employees does Turkish for Tomorrow have? Do you, do you know offhand? Yeah, one. To my knowledge right now, it's still one. Yeah, right. and, it's and, not more than a few if it's more than one. And, you, and you've got – and you've – you know, I think that um, – I think that there's a couple other individu individuals that are getting paid part-time to help out with some things. But for the most part, it's just been um, the members of the board and the, the guys that help get it all started up just volunteering their time. And you know what? Yeah. I think and they're trying to flow through a lot of that money, which I think is where you're getting. Yeah. They're trying that's, to that, flow through to the resource. And that's my been, point. Yeah. yeah, absolutely. Is that a lot of times we think, well, you know, X number percent of every dollar we donate is sent to whatever, you know. Mm -hmm. And look, they're, they're, I'm not knocking another nonprofit at all because there there's needs at times especially as you grow and as things change to have staff available and have you know employees and all of those things but right now this to me turkeys for tomorrow i hate to use the covid comparison but is not as fast-paced as covid was but turkeys for tomorrow said hey look we're, we're potentially in a crisis with a turkey decline, maybe. We think we are. And we're all worried about the resource. So let's do as much as we can, as fast as we can, and, and put money into the things that matter that are going to gain, gain us a better understanding of the wild turkey and how to make a sustainable, healthy population across the United States and maybe even beyond. Mm -hmm. yeah i would agree yeah. i would agree they and i think that the outset that's what their intention was is to be as lean as they possibly could now you know they're getting involved in so many projects now they're going to have to add more staff eventually that's but right. they wanted to be as lean as they possibly could and funnel as much of that money as they could into directly addressing the issues that's right and i, I think they really focused up front and putting money into to research uh, and I will include that podcast in that because we're trying to make the research more accessible in that effort. Uh, but we're trying to figure out, is it a problem and why is it a problem and how is that change in these different places and what we need to do? You know, sort of seems like the natural step first is to figure out is there and what is the problem and how to do something about it. And then, you know, maybe they start to transition, uh, you know, to also support uh, the solutions to whatever those issues are, you know, right. I think. And then when you, you talk about, you know, research papers, you know, you might be trying to download it and read it on your phone as you're laying in the bed. And if you make it through the first two paragraphs before you fall asleep of the 32 page research paper with all this supporting documentation, uh, or you just skim read until you see the paragraph that said something that is important that, that you identify with and you read that one part and extrapolate whatever you want to out of that. The benefit of this podcast to me is that you guys can present the truth, the facts, research based peer reviewed stuff that we know, and then discuss about really what that means. Because mm -hmm. without me having to look at it online, you know, at bedtime and fall asleep and, 
dream about what I think it actually meant because some of them papers are pretty boring. You know, you start talking about <laughs> how things no. were tested no. and how it was done and, you know, where you put cameras and did you do this? And did, I'm like, good Lord, just is there a conclusion here somewhere? You mean you don't like reading about negative binomial distributions? <laughs> that's that's the that's the that's the whole intent you know we're trying to we're trying to boil this down and and make it accessible to everybody and use our expertise um not only as scientists but also pulling from our you know our experience as hunters as well and and coming up that way to present it in a way that's digestible by those folks do do you guys think because one thing that you know again look you you have to forgive my ignorance okay but one thing that that we have discussed hunter and i and some other guys uh specifically about turkeys is what should our message be you know we live in a day and age that things are real trendy and it needs to be marketable and you know all this kind of stuff and it needs to be simple and you know so on and so forth can we ever do you think we, we will get to where we can actually make this a very condensed very short message on how how the how to save the turkey and then do you think we'll ever get to a point where we can have a very simplistic dumbed down ladder if you will of a prioritized step-by-step process for a landowner on what he should do first and and you know if you know i hate to do it like a drop down menu or (laughs) one of those deals but if you bought your new property and you know, first you should look at habitat, you know, for, do you have closed canopy forest, you know, and then maybe take them through a deal of ways to address closed canopy forest. And that should be maybe their first priority if it's forested, or do you think we'll ever get to any kind of simplistic process that we can get from research that says, you know, this is where you might, I even hate to say this, but you might trap or, you know, is that the first thing you should do? Is that the last thing you should do? Should I not do it at all? You know, it, it I know that's complicated because there are mm. so many factors, but imagine NWTF putting out a, a one page deal in their magazine that says, here's the systematic approach for habitat management. Well, and you've got 12 steps. Well, if we build a table, we know how to sand it. We start with 80 grit, and then we go to 220, and then we go to 400, and then we go to 1,000. Can we ever get there with turkey management? You know, I think it's hard to answer this, but the way that I'm thinking about it is, you know, what we really need is to get to that kind of process with your your decision-making process. So, you know, we know the this set of things really matter to turkeys. And what you need to know to get to your, your point is not just that those are important, but being able to evaluate, okay, which one of those is limiting? And then you can address things based on how they're limited. And if, you know, your entire property is, is exceptional brooding cover, and you know that, that's probably not where you need to start. Right. But, you know, I also am on the air quite a bit talking about how limited that is on the landscape because I go in a lot of places and I don't see any right brooding cover. 
So I don't even understanding what is that? You know what for, for right? Yeah. yeah. What, what so, the heck is he talking about? Yeah. So part of it is understanding what that is, and then part of it's evaluating whether or not that's the problem, and then you have that other part that is, you know, how do you make it if it is, or or guys, there are so many different. I mean. We could make this podcast last for a week. There are so many rabbit holes <laughs> that I'm just dying to dive off into. So I, I really think our best bet here is to uh, to tune in and listen to y'all's podcasts when they air. And um, um, we're going to be having you on. You're going to have to dumb down some of this for us and, and our listeners, <laughs> but uh, uh, me especially. But um so when when is this going to launch? Uh, where can people hear it? Uh, what what's your plans? What's the name of it? Um, let's get some specifics here. Yeah. Well, the uh, the name of the podcast is called the Wild Turkey Science Podcast. Sweet. And uh, we're we're planning to launch our initial episode that we're kind of giving you an overview of what the what's it, what it's about what the plan is the structure all that sort of stuff on uh january 22nd 23 uh so not that long from now and yeah and then so that's the sunday that that will go live and you can get it on any of the podcast uh platforms that you you choose whatever you like to use uh, it'd also be on social media on YouTube or whatever. And then uh, the following morning, we will launch the batch of of episodes, which will be this first the first batch. We have a variety of scientists involved that have come on as guests, and we're talking about season frameworks and and hunting pressure and how that is is or is not influencing the trends that we've been seeing, you know, in these populations. And also covering some research that's directly trying to address it experimentally, and uh, kind of getting a, a uh, an update from those scientists that are involved in that work on what their data is showing. So, yeah, yeah go ahead. Also, walk us through, which I know you've done with me, so I apologize asking you to do it again. But walk us through, uh, Dr. Lashley and Dr. Goolsby the process to give at the, the, uh, you know, on your platforms where it directs you and what those options are for your average mm-hmm. guy out here that just says, you know what, Dr. Lashley's good dude. And, uh, I know he's trustworthy and the university of Florida, although I hate him when it comes to football, uh, is a pretty good place. And, um, you know, we want to help fund some of this research. I'm going to send them a hundred bucks and, just so happens it it is tax deductible. So how yeah. can I do that? Yeah. So for me, I you know I'm uh, really active on social media on a variety of platforms, but uh, what any of them that are associated with UF Deer Lab or Doctor Disturbance is the the one that I uh, this you know more directly me uh, with from a science standpoint. Uh, we have a link tree available and you can follow that and and uh, we'll have a a little tab you can click on and uh, if you if you would like to donate to it you can donate and you can choose what you want to donate to because there's a couple of different kinds of funds like we have one that's more about just holistically about habitat management research and outreach and then i have one that's more focused on turkeys and then uh, one that's more focused on deer 
So, you know, uh, that would be a way that people could do that. For me, it's pretty easy. It should walk you right through it. And, uh, you know, it is tax deductible and it goes right into an account that uh, lets me use it for that specific purpose. Another way uh, that is a really good way for, for people, you know, you can you can uh, become a member, for instance, of, of Turkeys for Tomorrow or, or uh, these conservation organizations that are using those funds that they generate from that to put back into research. Uh, you know, and that, that's a great way for, you know, people to get something out of it, you know, tangible and also see the efforts, you know, by those organizations to to direct it to to research or or whatever. Uh, you know, sometimes it's on the ground management conservation. So, Dr. Goolsby, what about your platforms? Well, mine's not as sophisticated as Marcus's, <laughs> but uh, I don't have a link tree, whatever that is. But uh, <laughs> that that is that is why I have a Charlotte. In my that's life. right. She, I, I need she's it. the one that uh organizes all that part of it. <laughs> I will, maybe I'll use any donations that come into me to steal Charlotte from you, but uh, I need well, a Charlotte. Good luck, <laughs> <laughs> but um, you know. There's there's a variety of ways, you know, as Marcus mentioned, um, joining, you know, non nonprofit conservation organizations of your choosing um, that donate to to causes um, and research topics that you're interested in is a great way. In this instance, of course, you know, turkeys for tomorrow, Um, you know, another one that I think is worth mentioning, even though it may seem a little cliche, is buying a hunting license, you know, contributing those state agencies and and helping, you know, keep those gears churning, too, because they do a lot for the resource. Um, and then, you know, if somebody's interested in giving directly to me, um, you can just reach out to me on social media. The main one I'm active on is, uh, Instagram and that's at Dr. Will Goolsby. It's just Dr. Underscore Will underscore Goolsby. And that's G U L S B Y. And I can put you in touch with, um, our, you know, I'm here in the college of, uh, forestry, wildlife and environment at Auburn university. And I can put you in touch with our director of development and she can, give you instructions on how to do the, it's a tax deductible donation to Turkey research um, in my lab. Well, and if you want to donate to Hunter and I, we accept Sonic gift cards, <laughs> gift cards, and uh, that goes to help fund our research. Yeah, yeah that's good. Well, guys, we, we appreciate y'all coming on. This is a breath of fresh air. I, I appreciate y'all, uh, number one, changing the perspective that I had for Turkeys for Tomorrow. Um, mine too I, I i really appreciate that that part of it and uh and i understand a lot more now and and i appreciate y'all uh for what y'all are attempting to do here to clear up some of this uh misconception and and promote the truth um to how we can all have more turkeys on our property and um so and and especially putting out your your contact information so that uh you can be approachable after yeah. after these podcasts have aired for people that have follow-up questions but but i'd like to encourage uh folks too if, if you have some questions um uh, about their podcast and uh you know shoot them to thomas and i as well we'll we'll mm-hmm. have them on and recap and we'll rake them over the coals if we get a chance so <laughs> um, so guys, yeah, my, we're looking forward to uh January twenty second, twenty-third, uh uh listening more, in and, and seeing what you got to say and how this goes. And man, I'm I'm excited. I feel like this yeah. is gonna be leaps and bounds uh closer to where we need to be. 
Yeah. I'm well, as excited about this as I am opening day. Oh, yeah. that's Ooh. high praise. Easy. Yep. <laughs> well, sure. guys, you know, uh, I, I, be remiss if I didn't say how much I appreciate what you guys are doing and, and all the support, you know, for us and what we've been doing. And, you know, that's part of this. We we're trying to get information out to people and, you know, you guys and, and our listeners helping us share that information with people is just helping that whole process. And, and man, we really, we really appreciate it. It's been, it's been so, so, uh, you know, heartwarming i guess for lack of a better term for me to see all the support and how much people care about this and and all the the uh the support helping us share content and everything else and uh, i think it's hopefully going to really benefit the resource which is what we're all here for well you know the the cool thing is is i'm going to now be able to hold up my iphone like i would my bible and say that's not what Doctor Goolsby said. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, absolutely. Send, send them the send them. Tell them to subscribe to the Wild Turkey Science Podcast. They'll, they'll get right. their information. Yeah, there you go. So everybody, Just, get ready. Uh, January twenty second, January twenty third. Wild Turkey Science um, coming to uh, your favorite podcast platform so we've all got a little more to listen to when we're on the tractor when we're blowing those fire lines when we're out there doing hack and squirt projects we've uh we got a little more we can listen to so guys thanks for coming on this week and uh we'll catch everybody next week on our sawdust and fire podcast thank y'all thank you guys thanks guys yeah <laughs>